Well, good morning and welcome to, I think this is week nine of our Romans series, and so I have really enjoyed this journey. And now, just so you know, there, there is an end to this journey. I know it's been on a long journey. Most of our sermon series lasts about uh, four to maybe six weeks, uh, but this journey will continue all the way through the end of this month and will take us up until our Christmas series, which begins the first Sunday of December. And uh, basically, our theme this year is a simple Christmas. And I don't know about you, but we could use, um, I could use a little bit of simple after everything that we have been kind of going through. It kind of seems like there's um, too much uh, stuff to hold in our hearts and in our heads, and we just want a simple Christmas. So uh, we want to invite you uh, this Christmas as we journey through what a simple Christmas uh, looked like. And actually, the first Christmas was very much a simple Christmas. But we will finish this uh, in, at the end of this month in uh, November. But today we're going to be, if you want to get your copy of God's Word ready, we're going to be in, in chapters 11 and 12, part of 11 and, and all of 12. And uh, the reason why we're in Romans is because uh, in this season of our life and in our culture and everything that's going on, our faith is going to be challenged, and it probably has been challenged, and it's going to be criticized, and it probably has been criticized. And so you're going to need to own your faith. You need to know, all right, why do I believe what I believe, okay? It's got to be more than just because it's in this book. First of all, you've got to know what's in this book, and, but you, you all also have to know the why. So if you can own your faith, then you can defend your faith. And you, if you can defend your faith, then uh, you will not be ashamed of your faith. And, and the, the opposite is likewise as well. If you can't own your faith, you can't defend it. And if you can't defend it, you will be ashamed of it when it is challenged and criticized, and you'll back away. And if you are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not really growing in your faith. And so that's why we are in Romans. Throughout this uh, series, uh, it has major big sections, big bookmarks um, in, this, um, in this book, in this letter actually to, uh, from Paul to the church in Rome. And so he begins with the problem. The problem is sin in the world. Our, um, lots of people in our culture, uh, they have taken God out of it. We're going we're gonna to see more of that and as this thing continues. And so God is gonna be taken more out of our culture. We have this sort of sense of this self-morality. And we say, well, we can do this without God. We also, as believers, we have this sort of sense of self-righteousness with our actions, and we use that to sort of judge the world. And God's like, look, I, I, don't, I don't need your help. I can, I can do this. And so the problem that you see is with unbelievers and believers, there's, there's a problem that is developing. Well, God has brought forth a solution. That is Jesus Christ, his son, down on the cross for our sin. He made that provision for us. And because of, of his acts and because of his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, we can believe in that. But it's not based upon works. It's not based upon what we do. It's really based upon our faith and how we believe. And so we just got to depend upon that faith to change us from the inside out. See, many, many years, the Jewish people, the, the Israelites, 
have been changing themselves from the outside in, focusing on obeying the law with their actions. But now the new covenant, the new way brought in, ushered in this idea or this concept and this lifestyle, this promise that, hey, you can believe on, the, on my son, Jesus Christ, and if you believe on him, live for him, then the Holy Spirit will come inside you, and through the Holy Spirit, your faith will be strengthened, and your life will be changed from the inside out. That is God's provision. And we can walk in that power. When, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have major benefits of the Holy Spirit. We do. You have major benefits of the, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. It's almost like a, your conscience, but with a megaphone, okay? And you can sense, all right, God, God wants me to do this, or God doesn't want me to do this. And so there are major benefits when you walk in the Spirit. There's also freedom. There's freedom in Christ. There's power in the freedom that we have. And so as we are able to uh, follow the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, it gives us the ability to follow God's laws. Why? Because we want to, okay? Instead of following rules, we follow a relationship. And with the power of that relationship, it enables us to want to follow the rules. I've said this before. You know, as the Holy Spirit is living in your life and causing you to change, you may run across something in God's word and say, wow, I, didn't, I really didn't know that was in there. I've been living like that. I've been uh, watching my life in that. And why? It's not because you read it. It's because the Holy Spirit is telling you, is prompting you. And so when we live by the Spirit, there's major benefits and it gives us the power to do so. So you have the, the problem, the provision, and through that provision, you have the power to live that life and not obey the sinful nature. And then we go into the predicament or the, or the dilemma. Now, the dilemma is we naturally are drawn to want to follow God with rules, with things, okay? With things that we want to do for God. Many people try to come to God without the faith of the gospel. They instead try to reach God through a religion based upon works. And I mean, there, there are denominations out there right now, even in our community, they focus on works. They focus on, well, social justice. We need to reach a community. Oh, I feel good about myself. I feel closer to God, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with doing social justice to, 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 uh, to share uh, what you have with the community, absolutely. To give, yes, we need to have a heart of generosity. But if, if, if a church's um, doctrine, if, if their theology is based upon just doing that and not loving on Jesus, spending time with him, and growing in their faith, then they're missing the mark. And so we want to help the community. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so the Israelites, the, the Israelites were, were following just a bunch of rules. And then along come the Gentiles. And with the Gentiles, <clears throat> the Gentiles is basically any, anybody that's a non-Jew, okay? So if you are watching online, if you're sitting here today, and if you are not a, a, a Jew, then you are a Gentile. And so 
for thousands of years, the covenant, the promise, the old covenant, was all centered on the Jewish culture, on the family, starting with Abraham. And so they focus on that, God focused on that, and he revealed himself through that clan, that family, that nation. And because he was able to reveal himself through that, people learned about God. They wrote songs about God. They had prophets that talked about God. God spoke through prophets to people. And so he chose that nation for thousands of years to be able to show himself. And because of that, then along comes Jesus in the New Testament, new promise, and Jesus is ushering, ushering in a new covenant. And the biggest part of that is that it's not just for the Jews. It's for everybody. Hey, everybody gets to come over and join the party. Everyone is invited. And so because of that, the Gentiles, the Gentiles are, are uh, and you can read this all through the book of Acts, the Gentiles are coming to Christ in droves. But guess what? They're not following the, the Jewish traditions. They're not being, uh, I mean, they're not circumcised. They're not following all the cultures. They're not doing animal sacrifice. They're not doing all of that. Guess what? Because that is the old way. And the Jews, as Paul talks about, the Jews are saying, uh, hold on a second, hold on a second. We, if you want to accept Christ, that's fine, but you've got to go through the Jew. You've got to be a Jew and then be a Christian. Well, no, that's wrong, okay? They were thinking that. And so because of that, they were a little jealous. They didn't think it was fair. They didn't think it was fair that these Gentiles don't have to obey all of these things and, and they can go right to Christ and be Christians and be an heir of the kingdom of God. I, um, I'm reminded today with our family, and many of y'all know our, our adoption story, today's an important day in our family. And we, we are, are, are celebrating it today. And it's called Gotcha Day. For those who are familiar with adoptions, you have this Gotcha Day. It's not a day where you kidnap the children. It's a day where they are basically officially yours. Nine years ago today, Lawson, Marion, and Lincoln walked off the property of the orphanage in Ukraine for the last time. Yeah, absolutely. Praise the Lord. For the last time. And so they became a part of our family. And guess what? Because they're a part of our family, their, their names changed. We changed their first name. We moved their original name to, their, to their, uh, their middle name. But their last name has been changed forever. They are Bennett's. And guess what? They receive the same benefits that our three biological kids receive, okay? They, they get clothes, they get a room, right? They get a room, and they, they, get, uh, they get fed. They, they're, they're helped with getting, you know, being a part of activities, whether it be gymnastics or, or you know, I mean, Lawson, uh, Lawson is involved in, in kickboxing and all this. Just don't mess with Lawson, that's all I gotta say, you know? And so, you, you've got all of these things that the kids are involved in. We, we 
give them, you know, bikes, you know, to go exercise. I mean, there's all kinds of things. They receive the same benefits as our three biological children. But guess what? They weren't involved as long, I mean, they weren't involved in our family or a part of our family the same length of time as our three biological kids, but it doesn't matter because they still receive the same benefits. That right there is an example, an illustration of the difference between Jews and Gentiles, okay? Jews is like, hey, we, this is ours. We've got the corner market. This, this belongs to us. Hmm. New Testament, it's for everybody. And these people who are accepting Christ as Gentiles, they're accepting Christ, they are just as much heirs of the kingdom of God as you. What? That's not fair. Well, <laughs> they're not really, they don't really call the shots. And so our three biological kids, they've never expressed a heart of jealousy. They've never expressed a heart of jealousy towards our three adopted kids to where they say, hey, that's not fair. Why, why did they get these things? Why did they get the same benefits? But as, as Paul is saying, and we're gonna, we'll read on, there is a sense of jealousy, and because of that, that actually leads Jews to Christ. So the Gentiles were sort of grafted into the tree of the Israelites, the Jewish tree, just like our three adopted kids were grafted in to our family tree. Let's turn to Romans chapter 11, verse 11 through 16. And as we read this, um, you're gonna see that what I'm talking about, what, what Paul is talking about um, with, with regard to being grafted in. So verse 11, Romans 11, 11 through 16, it says this. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? He's talking about the Jews. Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I'm talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people, because Paul is a Jew, my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole branch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. It's, it's kind of like for a time, and I, I've shared this before, for a time when, when Susanna and I were dating in college, we took a little bit of a break and actually, you know, went on a, uh, on a date or two, I can't remember. And then when, when I found out that my wife, well, not my wife, my my ex-girlfriend was going on a date with somebody, I didn't like it at all. And, and after that, I, I came to the conclusion, I was like, what are you doing? You fool, Frank, come on, wake up. And thankfully, she accepted me back. We got, you know, got back together, started you know, dating, and then obviously got engaged and married and everything. But it, it took that moment of jealousy, of envious, it's like, 
I can't imagine anyone holding her hand or even kissing her. And I did not like that one bit. And so it caused my heart to turn around. And so that's basically what the, the, the happened to the Jewish nation. And it's, and it's even happening today. So the old branches, the unbelieving Jews, have been broken off for time to make this possible. And that's what Paul is explaining. Then Paul goes on uh, and he directs his attention to the Gentiles, the believers, Gentile believers in Rome, explaining that their, that their obedience to the gospel allowed them to be grafted into Israel to replace those who were being removed, those Jews who were being removed because of disobedience. So let's look at Romans eleven seventeen through 24. 17 through 24 says this, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say, then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because, you, because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. Walk in fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Verse 22, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, Gentiles, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut off out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So he's using an example of taking uh, branches, of wild branches, a shoot, a branch off of, of some other tree, of some other vine, and, and taking that and being grafted in to, um, to what God is doing in the world to, uh, through salvation. They're grafted in to that tree, using it as an example of an olive tree. And so he's telling the Gentiles, look, you don't need to walk in arrogance, you don't need to walk in arrogance uh, pointing to the Jews saying, um, hey, hey, look what, look what we have or look what we are able, uh, able to do. And so, there, and, and Paul talks about there's, there, there's, a, there's a time, a season when God is bringing the Gentiles and non-Jews to himself and then there's when at the appointed time when, when enough of those Gentiles are, have, have been saved then the Jews are going to start coming to Christ. Do you realize that that is happening right now? In Jerusalem, there are Jews coming to Jesus. Not long ago, a few weeks ago, we had a, a great friend of ours who is a Messianic Jew. I mean, he has family that lives in Jerusalem, and he believes in Jesus Christ. 
but he is a Jew. And he has told us there are many Jews coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It is happening right before our eyes. And so this message is not only just for for Gentiles, but obviously for Jews. In fact, Jesus even said, I came here first for the Gentiles who rejected the message, even crucified Christ, but then, I mean, for the Jews, and then for the Gentiles. I came here for the Jews first, then for the Gentiles. But Paul says this, as he continues in verse 25. Paul says this, look, all of Israel, will be saved. All of Israel will be saved. Look at verse 25 through 32. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. Talking about the Israelites. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. The patriarchs, the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Okay, for God is gifts and um, his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God, still talking to the Gentiles, just as you who were one time disobedient to God who have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, the Jews' disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. So in other words, he's saying this, look, years and years and years and years, I have been, I've called uh, Jews, I've called Israel, and they have rejected me, they have rejected my name, they have uh, put up idols, and because of that, I, I, sent them away to faraway lands and kept a remnant here. And so, and then now I sent my son Jesus with the new covenant, with the new promise. And, but still there are some who do not choose that message. And so that message is now going out to the Gentiles for the Jews to look and say, hey, why do they now become a part of the promise? I thought this promise was for us. And it's so that they will realize, hey, we could have that too. They're realizing their own disobedience in their life. And they're, seeing, they're, they're saying, hey, I need to get my life straight. I need to accept Christ as Savior. So all of Israel will be saved. God never uh, breaks his promise. His, his gifts and his calling on Israel can't be taken back. He promised Abraham. And part of that promise is that he would have uh, descendants from the seed, capital S, seed, meaning uh, foreshadowing of Christ, the seed, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He was talking about the church, the bride of Christ, not just actual offspring of the Jews, and so you and I, as Gentiles, believers of Christ, if you believe in Jesus, you and I have been grafted in to this tree, this God tree of the promise. 
We have not been left out. And neither have the Jews been left out. So Paul ends this section of Romans. He ends verse, uh, he ends chapter 11 with a, with a prayer that re- really reads like a closing prayer. You read this prayer and you think, you know, wow, th- this, this letter is ending right here. But it's really just a bookmark. Because chapters one through 11 of Rome, Romans, chapters one through 11 is really all about doctrine. It's really all about uh, the belief, okay? Uh, how um, fa- it's all about faith and, and not by works, and it's, and it's all about the, um, the, a little bit of history of, of the Jews and, and then mix in a little bit of Gentiles and how the Gentiles have been grafted in and how the gospel message is for everyone. And so he has spent 11 chapters talking about doctrine. Now, knowing those ideas from chapters one through 11, how they should present and be, how they should be used in our life is really what chapter 12 begins. Chapter 12 begins the final section of the letter to the Romans, the Christians in Rome. And, um, and we start with the, um, how we should live our life based upon the mercy of God. And so, if you would, Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, in view of God's mercy, so as as we're looking across chapters one through 11, in view of what God has done and that he has included us, the non-Jews, into his story, we're grafted in, in view of the mercy that we have. Thank you, Jesus. You weren't just here just for the Jews. You said Jews and Gentiles. You mean all of us. And because of his mercy, how should we respond? We should respond with a life of worship, a living sacrifice. And Paul uses this living sacrifice because the the Jews kind of understand this, and even the Gentiles. Animal sacrifice was a part of, of, of religion back then, okay? You don't really see that now unless it's a a different kind of religion, okay? But animal sacrifice was a part of Jewish culture and religion and obviously part of other pagan religions, and so people understood that. Well, now you don't have to have animal sacrifice. It's all about us becoming a living sacrifice. God has already set us apart for the living sacrifice, just like like the animals were set apart, okay? When you had a certain lamb that you wanted to be used as a sacrifice, guess what you did? You protected that lamb. You made sure that lamb was set apart. Maybe it's on a pen. I mean, that lamb had its, its, its own sort of diet, its own food. It was protected from the other ones. And so just like that, God has separated us. God has set us apart 
which is where purity comes from. He sets us apart, how? Through the blood of Jesus. He has declared us acceptable because he sees us in our position of Christ. In other words, we do not have to wait to be better people before we offer our bodies and lives to God. You have been set apart by God once you accepted him, Jesus Christ as Savior. You are set apart by God and you can start being a living sacrifice. You can be that person who's living a life of purity and holiness. And you are set apart because of the blood of Jesus. Since we can never repay God for the sacrifice of his son Jesus, including us into his family, we can't repay him for that. There's only one natural response. It's worship. Worship. Our life of worship. And it doesn't mean singing. It means living our life as a living sacrifice, laying our life down, just as a lamb would lay their life down without fighting, just simple sacrifice. And so we must break free from this world of this conforming world. We, we don't need to conform our minds to that. That is how we're able to live a, a living sacrifice. We need to walk in the re, to renew our minds, not be conformed to this world. It's so easy to be conformed to this world. And that is a big, one of the biggest problems of the church right now. They're being conformed to this world. They're not being renewed. Their minds are not being renewed by God by the Holy Spirit, in general terms. I'm not saying that every person, every believer, but it's really an epidemic in the church. And so you and I are called to, to live a life to where our minds are renewed. So how, b- besides not being conformed to the world and, and, and renewing our minds, what does that living sacrifice look like? Well, Paul goes on explaining the rest of his chapter. There's three different things I'm going to share with you today as we finish up chapter 12. Number one, we've got to serve the body of Christ. This is one way that, that we can be a living sacrifice. He goes on to say this in verses three through eight. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So he's talking to us Christians. Well, he's talking to Christians back in Rome, but he's also talking to us today. The Holy Spirit is talking to us today, okay? But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same functions, so in Christ, we through many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. Prophesy in a... um, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. 
If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So Paul is basically writing all of these things, these sort of this, this bullet point of, of these spiritual gifts that God has given to each and every believer. Do you realize that, that God has given to you a gift to, to be used to edify, to build up the body of Christ. He has given that to you. And so the way that you're able to be a living sacrifice is that you're able to, to use that gift to serve the body of Christ. The church is Christ's body with each person serving a specific function that keeps the body going. Our first job is is to find our function and do it. Find what we're supposed to do and do it through God's power, okay? We're, We're not just supposed to window shop Christianity. We're not supposed to just look on the outside in and that's it. We are to be using our gifts. And you say, well, I really don't have gifts. I can't, I can't really sing or, or teach. It's so much bigger than that, okay? Your gift could be encouraging people. Do you realize your pastor could use some words of encouragement? Do you realize that every pastor right now, let's just say America, let's just say Georgia, or let's just say Bartow County, Every pastor in Bartow County can use encouragement right now. Now, I'm not saying you need to write me, uh, you know, a bunch of letters or give me some gift cards. If you want to, you could do that. My address is 23. No, I'm just kidding. But what I'm saying is this. Even encouragement, prayer. You could pray. Pray for one another. You could pray for one another. You can, you can teach. It doesn't take it doesn't take uh, someone with a, a, a theologian degree. It doesn't take, I don't, I don't have a master's degree to do what I'm doing. I have, a, I have a, a bachelor in music education. That's it. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even using that anymore. But guess what? God, I feel that God has given me the ability to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm doing that. Okay? You don't need some sort of major degree to do that. And so I want to encourage you to serve the body of Christ. You know, many, many pastors can tell you that the flock is a little bit disjointed right now. It's almost like losing, uh, losing a limb of, of, of your body. We have, we have some members of our church that, that have missing body parts, and they could tell you right now, their life is, has been changed. Their life has been changed because of that. And, but they're, I mean, they're, they're still you know, pressing forward, okay, with the encouragement of others, but, but the body of Christ right now, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's missing some limbs, We're missing some limbs. We're missing some body parts. We're missing some people. It's like, well, Frank, we're in a pandemic. I understand. Yes, I've heard that. 
And yes, we need to be sensitive to that. There are people that are not here because they have underlying health issues. Absolutely. But everybody does not have underlying health issues. We need to get in church. We need to be in church. And those who are here today are thankful you're here in church today. As I share my heart, we are missing body parts. But we're pushing forward. We're limping forward with our walker or with our, with our wheelchair, moving forward as best as we can. But it takes the body of Christ. Do you realize that there's people outside of our church who need the body of Christ? There are people outside of our church who need help. There are marriages falling apart during this season of chaos And at the same time, the church, the Big C Church, is missing body parts. And we're we're not able to give a helping hand. Now, we're trying our best. In the greatest season of the need for hope and help to this world in our lifetime, the church can be found strolling in spiritual wheelchairs, trying to accomplish our calling. We are moving forward. I can think of Gil, a gentleman in our church, who's lost a limb, and he moves forward. He fights forward. Sometimes he he walks on his prosthetic leg. Sometimes he's in a wheelchair, but he moves forward. Yeah. We're going to move forward as a church. But can I tell you something? It'd be so much easier if we had the full functioning body of Christ. Now, those who are watching online, I know there are many of you watching online. It breaks your heart that you can't be here and be a part. Listen, for those who are watching online, you can't be here because of health conditions. We get it. We understand. Okay? If you're watching online, I probably sent you a text yesterday to tell you that I love you and to tell you I'm praying for you. We get it. We understand. You are part of the body. Your prayers, you tell me you're praying, okay? Many of you are telling me, hey, you're, you're giving, absolutely, and that is wonderful, and you are part of the body, but there are parts of the body who need to be here. No more excuses. We are planning as a staff, as a staff, 2021, we are moving forward. We are moving forward. We need to move forward in discipleship, get people to grow. We need to get the body together. Now, those who can't be here, can't be a part of it, we are figuring out ways that we can continue in discipleship, and involving you if you can't be here. That is my commitment as your shepherd. Absolutely. But if you can't be here, we need you to be here. We need you to be here. And it's not just talking about just on on Sunday morning. We, We have a major outreach coming up in a few weeks in December. Mission Christmas, there are families who we have identified through the school systems that need help. We need people to help, either through donation 
or through volunteering. So how can you be a living sacrifice? You can serve the body of Christ. Number two, you can love the body of Christ. You can love the body of Christ. We see this in chapter uh, 12, obviously, verses nine through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, what he's doing is Paul is saying to the Christians, you need to love one another, other Christians, the church. You need to love one another. We must show that sincere love. How do we do that? Praying for others and sharing with others. This is, that's how it's done. But it's hard to do that when we're not together. <laughs> when you're not able to do this, you will lose your spiritual spark. I, that's my word, spark. He uses fervor. He uses the word zeal. I like spark. You will lose your, that spiritual spark or zeal or fervor if you are not loving on your church, loving through prayer, loving through sharing. There, there, I know there are people watching online who can't be here. You sent me a text yesterday. Say, Pastor Frank, I'm praying for you. We're praying for the, for the church. Thank you. Absolutely. That's what we need. Yes. And you can still do that when you are disconnected because of health reasons. But man, how much more powerful could it be if everyone who can be here can be here, love the bride of Christ, to love the body of Christ. So how do we become a living sacrifice? We serve the body of Christ, we love the body of Christ, and last, third, we transform the world. We transform the world. We see this in verses 14 through the end of this chapter. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take, it re, um, take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Christ calls us to follow his example and to refuse to curse others, to repay evil for evil, or to take revenge. And I know during this time, during this craziness, it's so easy to do that. Well, I'm just gonna unfriend you Look at that, take that. And I know it could be something as simple as that or something even more drastic. 
During this season, it's so easy to, to, uh, to take revenge or to treat them in the flesh. Um, so where do you get the power and the patience to really minister to the world, to, to, to change the world, to transform the world? Where do you get that power and that patience? Well, there's, there's a sequence that Paul ta- walks us through. And as I, as I showed earlier, you get that power by serving the body of Christ and loving the body of Christ. But guess what? You got to be a part of the body of Christ. You've got to be a part and do your part. That's how we have the power and the patience to transform the world around you with love. You show each other how, to, how you love the church. And then from that, from that, we are able to take that and change and transform the world. If you're feeling a little bit edgy in the world, trust me, I've been there a little bit over the past several weeks. You're feeling a little bit edgy, like, hmm, I just can't. If someone talks to me about this or that or this position or that position, if someone just, I'm just waiting. And you're walking around with a chip on your shoulder, and you're just ready to unleash, to show your way is the right way. If you're kind of living on edge and you're just ready to rip somebody's head off, it doesn't matter. Hey, take a step back. We got to walk in in love. We got to walk in patience. And you get that by being with the body of Christ. Serving with the body of Christ shoulder to shoulder and loving each other, praying for each other, sharing with one another. And from there, it goes out to transform the world. Now you may say, well, Frank, the first part of Romans talks about all these things that we're, we're, we're not supposed to follow all these rules and regulations. It's really about changing from the inside out, how the Holy Spirit is supposed to do that when we accept Christ as Savior. But here I see all of these things that Paul is listing. So is Paul going back to works? No, he's not going back to works. What he's doing in chapter 12 is showing, chapter 12 is all about the practice. How do we practice what we learned in chapters one through 11, okay? Paul is showing us in our practice of what we learned through chapters one through 11, our life should look like the following. It should be a living sacrifice. What does that look like? Hmm. We serve the body of Christ. We love the body of Christ. We transform the world. And he lists the characteristics of what it should look like. But can I tell you something? As you grow in your faith, that is something that will naturally happen. If, as you grow in your faith, as you walk with Jesus, you're going to want to be with the body of Christ. You're going to want to be the body. Say, I'm the arm. Man, I, I got to be there. They need this. Or I'm the leg. If, they don't, if I'm not there, guess what? They're just going to be hobbling along. Let me say, well, I'm just, just, just a big toe. Have you ever missed a big toe? I know people that don't have their big toe. Their life is different. Even just a toe. Even if you're just a toe, 
You are important. And you have to be involved. As we move towards 2021 and say good riddance to 2020, you and I can walk in faith and say, yes, we will move forward. We will not reject the calling of God. We will, as a church, a small C church, Lake Point Church, as part of the big C church, the body of Christ, we will move forward together as the complete body, and we will serve one another, we will love one another, and we will transform the world. If you want to be a part of that, guess what? We're going to have a way for you to do that in 2021. And I can't wait. And so I need you, between now and then, ask the Lord, Lord, move in my spirit. Wake me up. I need that spark. I need that spiritual spark. I need the zeal of God. I need the fervor of God. I need you to wake me up so I can help do my part to transform this world. But if you're sitting here today or watching online and you're like, yeah, I want to transform the world. Can I tell you something? If your heart has not been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, we need to start there at square one. And that starts with you realizing, you know what? I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never waved the, the white flag of surrender to him. I've never asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. I've never given that to him. And so if you're ready to be transformed, to transform the world, you have to be transformed yourself. We're going to give you that opportunity right here, right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we close out this service, I want to make sure that you have that opportunity. So if you've never accepted Christ as Savior, if you're saying, you know, Frank, some of the stuff you've been talking about, this living sacrifice um, and, and living a life of worship, I, I really don't know what that looks like or, or even how to do that. It's because the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside you. Jesus wants to be inside you. He wants to release you from your sins. He wants to save you from yourself. So if that is you, simply pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he saved me from my sins. Jesus, please forgive me my sin. Come be Lord of my life. I give my life to you in complete surrender to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I would love to hear if you have prayed that prayer. If you've done that online, send me an email, a pastor at lakepointonline.com. I'd love to hear about it. And just know this, God is gonna do a great work getting ready for 2021. But until now and then, there's opportunities for you to serve, for you to love, and to transform the world. So let's get plugged in. Love you guys. We'll see you back next week. Thank you.